I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear shall live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice, and shall come forth those who did good, did the good, to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil to a resurrection of judgment. Let's pray. Our Father in God, again, we do thank you and praise you for this opportunity to meet together today. And we are reminded, as we have just sung, that anything that is accomplished in our lives is simply by the grace of God. And we thank you for your grace in even providing salvation. We pray and thank you for your grace in providing the Word of God, providing our health that we can be here to hear. We can see with our eyes, but Father, it's possible to hear with human ears and see with human eyes and never to have it penetrate into our hearts. We pray that the Spirit of God would be able to use the Word of God and to penetrate indeed to our hearts, that we would be hearers of the Word and then able to respond to be doers. Commit our study of the Word of God with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning's message as we continue in our study of God's Word, the Gospel according to John. We are in the fifth chapter. As you can see from your outline is two deaths, that's encouraging, <laughs> but also two resurrections, two deaths and two resurrections. Jesus is continuing in his conversation with the Jews in the context, and in saying that God was his own father, the Jews, we noted again last week, in seeing that, realized that he was claiming equality with God. And look at verse 18, it could be no clearer that him saying that he was the Son of God, that he saying God was his Father, they said that he was making himself equal with God. In response to that, we saw last week that the Lord Jesus Christ in responding to their observation, basically said that he agreed with their assessments. That's seen in the very first two words, truly, truly, are amen and amen. He agrees with what they said. And he has demonstrated his equality with the Father by pointing out in verses 19 through 24 several things to demonstrate it as far as his unity with the Father. It was his actions... It's found in his love, and you can just follow that along. The word for is there in our English. Also because of his power, that is to give life, and also his authority, and that is to make judgment in verse 22. Then as we close last week, verse 24 is where we close, we noted that eternal life, and you can look at that verse because it's very important to verses 25 through 29. I will read it in verse 24. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes my word 
and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed from death unto life. And very clearly he presented in a summarization there that eternal life is provided to those who by faith believe. So they believe, and such a person is noticed past at the end of the verse, from what? Death into life. That person is passed from death into life. As we move into verses 25 through 29, Jesus is continuing in that context. And certainly as believers, we should get that. It is too easy to take verses out of context. Put it in the context of what's being said. Verse 24 is what leads to verses 25 through 29. And that is he's going to expand on the reality of those two things that we've noted. Death and resurrection. He will point out to us and present to us the reality in these verses as I've given you a simple outline for your back of your bulletin. He will present the realities of two deaths and also of two resurrections. Two deaths and two resurrections in verses 25 to 29. Very simply put, as you can see, they are spiritual, number one, and they are physical, number two. Now, when we talk about the concept of death and life, and here it is Father's Day, and we're talking about death and resurrection and so forth, it is essential to our context. But while we deal with these subjects, there needs to be some groundwork done. Something that everybody ponders in life is death and resurrection. I don't care who you are, be that a child or be that an adult. There are times in which we will ponder about death. We will ponder about resurrection. I think it was Job that best expressed it in Job chapter 14, in verse 14, when he said very simply this, and it's only the first half of the verse. He said, if a man dies, will he live again? He had that question. And that is something that we all raise. Whether a person believes it or he doesn't believe it, we think about it and we wonder whether that's true. Partly because when it comes to death, we have an observation. Again, whether a child who witnesses uh, an animal being killed or witnesses an adult dying or an adult. We see all around us from observation that the reality of death is here. And it results in us sometimes fearing death. It results in us sometimes certainly not wanting to talk about it. And in many cases even avoiding it. And then just wishing in our own life that it would never happen to us. We all go through that experience one time or another. That leads to the concept of the resurrection. And that becomes more difficult for us. Because on the other hand, when we know the reality of death and we talk about a resurrection, we can't observe it per se. We haven't seen someone come up out of a grave. None of us have. I guarantee it. We know that there are people that doubt, many people, maybe some in this audience, that doubt that there could even be a possibility of a resurrection. And then on the other hand, we have the reality as a human being, whereas we go through life 
and we ponder this concept of death, we ponder this concept of resurrection, most everybody at one time or another hopes beyond hope that maybe there is some resurrection. And I think that's a fairly accurate uh, synopsis of the way we go through life and sometimes think about this concept of death and resurrection. So with that said, I feel it's very important for us and the context of this passage to understand some basics about both of those concepts, death and resurrection. And while I could take you through the Bible from cover to cover, though I will quote some other verses, I'm going to try to limit a couple of passages that we go to so we can stay together and concentrate on what the Word of God says. Let's start with the concept of death and let's get that over with, so to speak, in dealing with it. And we talk about death. Did you realize there was, number one, a time in which there was no death? That is hard for us to comprehend. Why? All of our lifetime, I don't know who the oldest one is in this room, but I guarantee that all of your lifetime you've seen death around you. Youngest person in this room, guaranteed you've seen that all your life. So the hard thinking of about a concept with no death is uh, incomprehensible. But in reality, it is true. Well, when was that, Pastor Dan? Listen to Psalm 90 and verse 2. Before the mountains were, well, we've seen mountains. Before the mountains were what? Born or brought into existence. Or you, let's find out who the you is in a minute, gave birth to the earth and the world. Not just the planet earth, but all of its solar systems before those mountains came, before the planet in which you and I live on, before the entire universe came into being. Okay, what? Even from everlasting to everlasting. Simply put, no past, no future ending. Thou art God. Before anything came into existence, life was here. Where? In God. God existed in perfect harmony. God existed in all life. All forms of life were with Him. He is the source of life. It rested in Him from eternity past. Now turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. All to set the groundwork for John, chapter 5. For many of you, I trust, this is academic, but let's not miss what God is saying. While God existed with life and there was no death in the world, we find further that God created. And when he created, he created what? Man. It was said by Chris today, I am well aware, not only of the world we live in, but probably and in reality, more likely that even in this audience, there are those who believe in evolution and believe in another means of man getting here. But we find out in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, which makes sense, and I won't spend all the time 
or any time really on the concept of the laws of thermodynamics, but any person that is educated this morning and would study those out would realize that there had to be something greater than what exists in order for us to get here. And it makes sense when you come to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our own likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And God created man, now watch this, in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. So in verses 26 and 27 that we see the man comes into existence. Was there any death? No. Well, how do we know that? Well, first of all, you get out of verse 31. And in verse 31 it says, God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. There was no death. God created everything in the universe. He created man Man and woman in the universe, all the animals and everything else we see around us, and everything was very good. There was no death physically, and there was no death spiritually. It does not take a genius for us, even this morning, to catch this much. That we are all material beings, that's the body, and we have within us an immaterial. We know that, even if we've never been to school even if we've never been taught that in the scriptures. We know that the real us, the personality that we have, is an immaterial part of us. We call that the soul and spirits. Nothing had died. Nothing had died while man was on the earth. In fact, I want you to see something. This actually came up at the retreat and was done very well, I thought. What was God's desire in creating man? Well, we could list a lot of things. Let me just quickly bounce over you what I listed down. It was to be in the presence of God. God wanted us to be in his presence. God wanted us to, listen, get to know our creator. That's why he created us in his own image and likeness. So that we might get to know that great creator who was here from everlasting and will be here till everlasting. He created us so that we could get to know who he is, what he's like. He created us so that we'd walk with him. And in fact, literally, Adam and Eve in the garden walked with God. They were in the presence of God. They were enjoying him. And let's put it this way. That's what came out at the retreat. They were having fellowship with God, true fellowship. There was nothing to break that. They were in his presence. We know from the passage that man is to rule over his creation. We don't like this one, but also he was to work if we go on. In Genesis, we'd find out that God was going to have man till the garden. And so work was a part of what God created us for in order to bring glory to his name. He created man to procreate. He created man to obey him and to worship him as creator. He created man to enjoy all of his creation. That hasn't changed, folks. And he created man to literally discover or subdue the earth. That's where education comes in. He created us so that we would think. He created us so that we would communicate. He created us so that we would take that which he created and understand it. God gave only one prohibition, chapter 2. Go there. Chapter 2 of Genesis. 
One prohibition was given, and with the prohibition, one consequence for disobedience. And that's important to see. Verse 16. The Lord God commanded, he created us, no death yet. And he says this. From, he commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Why? Here's the reason. Here's the consequence. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely, what? Die. That's where death comes in. And, it, and by the way, we're no different from our children. You could put 45 toys in front of a child and put one toy to the side and say, have a good time. Don't touch that one. And if anyone's like I am, that's the first place I'm going. Right? Yeah. Touch all the goodies in the refrigerator, but leave the dark chocolate for me. You are kidding. I'm going there first. We know what it's like. And God created man, gave him all that freedom, said there's only one prohibition, and when you violate it, death will come. That's where it gets introduced. There was a time in which man was on this earth, and there was no death. And animals, no death. And what happens? Disobedience would result in sin, and sin would result in death. We know what happened. Genesis chapter 3, man's fall. Man's fall into devastating results that still affect you and me today. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and ate it, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then what happens? Man disobeyed. What's the result? Go to verse 19. Physical death. Verse 19. You can look at everything else between. I've preached on that passage before, but verse 19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you, watch this, return to the ground because from it you were taken, you, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The physical aspect is you disobeyed, and now you will die. And to this day, there is not a man, woman, boy, or girl that have ever or ever will escape that physical aspect, and you know it. Is that it? No. There was spiritual death, too. Where? Verse 24. Verse 24, what happened? And it was not an automobile, folks. So God did what? He drove them, or drove the man, out at the east gate of Eden and stationed the cherub with a flaming sword who turned in every direction to guide the way to the tree of life. What happened? God had created man, and man enjoyed his presence. We just had a brief glimpse of that. And he was in the presence of God and enjoying fellowship. So both physically and spiritually, there was a, a fellowship with God. Now, because of disobedience, he would die physically. And now, because of disobedience, he had to be removed out of the presence of God. He could no longer be with him there. And so even spiritually, he is unable to have a life where nothing's hindering his relationship with God. That is called spiritual death. Physical, yes, we see it around us. 
Spiritually, yes. Listen to me, very simply put. You are not in the presence of God in this sense. You can't see Him. You can see His creation. We can see Him in the Word of God. Don't somebody misquote me on that. You can see in the Word of God, Jesus Christ and the person of God, but we with our eyes, we can't physically, and man through his lifetime searches and wants to know God. Why? The spiritual fellowship has been broken. We seek to know him, and men talk about that, but we can't because it was broken. A good summarization verse, go with me to a New Testament verse, Romans 5. Again, you'll see where it ties into our text, I hope. Romans 5, verse 12. If you're going to talk about death and resurrection, how did it get here? What went on? Summarization is found in Romans chapter 5, and this will squash some of what you hear in the world that you live in. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, we just looked at it, sin entered into the world and death through sin. Watch this. And so death spreads to all men. Why? All because all sinned. That's simple. What it's saying is sin entered into the world, not what people say. It wasn't by Satan. Don't get fooled by that. Satan had his own fall, but he didn't introduce sin to the world. Man did. Man, that's what the scriptures say. Sin entered into this world through what? Man's sin. One man's sin. Secondly, death got here. How? Because of sin. How did it happen? Physically, we die. How did it happen? Spiritually, no life with God, not able to be in the presence of God. Do we understand that? Yes, because all men die. Secondly, all men are sinners. I should have put that in reverse. Well, is that the end, Pastor Dan? Does it end there with just death? No. Listen to these words of Hebrews chapter 9. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, now listen to the last five words, and after this comes judgment. If there's judgment and all die, what has to follow? Resurrection. If somebody's dead, you can't judge that. They've got to be resurrected to face a judgment. True? Yes. And so there's got to be a resurrection. Well, how does that happen? Well, the physical resurrection was promised by God himself. Listen to this out of Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19. I won't turn there. Your dead will live. I could stop right there. But listen to this. He goes further. Their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust. You see the pictures? You know, you died. We're talking about a corpse. We're talking something that's dust. Awake and shout for joy, for your dew is as the dew of the dawn. And the earth, listen, will give birth to who? The departed spirits couldn't be any clearer yes there's death and god was saying to israel look all of those departed spirits are coming back that's when man has a difficulty but 
We ought not to be surprised. Why? Why is it so difficult? You've heard me say this before. Why would it be so difficult for us to think that if God could create us, that God could raise a dead body? Not a problem. If he's as powerful enough to create us and give us life the first time, why can't he resurrect the body and give us life? Of course he can. That's who he is. Was this believed? Oh, yes. It was believed by man. Give me an example. Abraham. Many of you know the story. I won't take you there. But in Abraham's life, he was told to sacrifice his son. What's that? That's death. And when he was taking him to sacrifice his son, Abraham said this to the men, knowing that he was to kill his son. I'll just give you the end of the verse. Verse 5 of chapter 22. We, me and my son, will worship and then we will return to you. He knew he was going to kill him. But he says, we're coming back. You say, I don't know. He was just guessing that God would do something. Really? Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19. Of Abraham, he said this. Abraham knew that God is able to raise even the dead. He knew it, and he believed it. Now, the passage that you read this morning from Job chapter 19, did you read it? Take a look at that, Job chapter 19. Go there for a second. I don't want to take this for granted. This is vital to all mankind. The concept of death, the concept of life, we face it every day. People get snuffed out just like that. Chapter 19 of Job, just look at a couple of things. Go down to verse 25. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, you notice what he says? He will take his stand on the earth, even, Job says, after my skin, that's pretty descriptive, is destroyed dust to dust. Watch what he says. From my flesh I shall see God. I don't understand it. Well, he makes it pretty clear that even with his own eyes, he will see God. Verse 27, whom I myself shall behold and whom my eyes shall see, and not another. He's saying that I know that when I die, I will still see God. Did Daniel believe that? Yes. Daniel in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, I won't turn there, said, Many who sleep in the dust will awake to everlasting life. Now listen carefully. This is Daniel, Old Testament. Many who sleep will come up to everlasting life. That's many. Oh yeah? Listen to what else he says in the verse. Others to everlasting contempt. They're all coming forth, some to life, some to death, but they're all coming forth. It is also seen in examples that we know of. Who? I won't turn there, but the Shulamite son, 2 Kings chapter 4. Many of you know the story of Lazarus, John chapter 11. He was brought forth from the grave. That's just to demonstrate resurrection is what I'm trying to say to you. Matthew chapter 27, after the Lord Jesus Christ died, and then he rose Many came forth from the graves. They were saints. But many came. That's resurrection. In the future, in the book of Revelation chapter 11, we're almost there in the evening services. Two witnesses will be killed. And listen to this. Praise the Lord for technology. You think texting is neat? Book of Revelation was way ahead of you guys with texting and what's the newest thing now? 
tweeting or whatever it is. The Lord was way ahead of you. Why? He said in Revelation chapter 11 that the two witnesses will die and then will be raised up and the whole world will see it. Thank God for technology. He'll use it that way. They'll be raised up. Certainly it's seen in the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28. We celebrate it at Easter time. He's not here. He's what? Risen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. What does that say? It says that he is the first fruits. He was the first fruits. Well, if Lazarus died, and all of them, how could he be the first fruits? Because when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he didn't die again like Lazarus did. He rose and will never die again. And he is the first one, and now there will be others that will follow. And you know what? That's bringing us back because our text guarantees that. Where? In John chapter 5, notice what it says in verse 28. And, and don't marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which how many? Tell me what that three-letter word says. All. Does all mean all? Ha, it's funny, people don't debate this one. It does. Everyone's coming forth from the grave. All of them, guaranteed. You say, that's the physical aspect. Let me give you very quickly the spiritual aspect. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. Listen to the words. Turn to me. That's God speaking now. Listen. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. We know Isaiah 53, right? My servant will justify. That's spiritual. Many. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34 says this, I will give them a new heart. That is the immaterial part being changed. Their sin I will remember no more. That's the spiritual part. John chapter 3, verse 3, we studied it already. You must, what? Be born again. That's spiritual. I, can't, I cannot enter into my mother's womb, but I can be born from above or born again. How? Spiritually speaking. We've already studied it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ, listen, he is a new creation. That's a spiritual resurrection. So there is the physical resurrection. There is a spiritual resurrection. And why has there got to be life spiritually? You know, if you're back in John, go with me to John chapter 17 for one second here. You see, there is a resurrection. There is a death. There is a physical one. There is a spiritual one. Those of you that are here and are only sleeping and not dead have not experienced the physical resurrection yet. None of us have. But we'll see that many have experienced spiritual resurrection, a death. And that is all men. But first of all, in John chapter 17, verse 3, we talk about eternal life. This is eternal life. Did you catch this? That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Where does that come in? That's where we started. 
When God created man, it was in his own image to have fellowship with God, to understand him, to know him, to walk with him. And when he sinned and sin entered into the world and death by sin, man not only dies physically, but he dies spiritually and can no longer be in the presence of God. His spirit must be restored so that he can have fellowship with God and begin to know him. And by the way, the Christian life is getting all, is all about getting to know God. John uh, Romans chapter 6, I won't read it all, verses 4 through 11. I won't read any of it, actually. I'll quote from it. But in that passage, we find out that through Jesus Christ, we have died with him and been buried with him. That's spiritually. So that we can live and walk in newness of life. That is a spiritual resurrection. It's clearly taught in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 19. When it talks about people who are physically alive, the Thessalonian believers now, why were they believers? Because they had turned from idols to God to get to know him. They had a new life. So in our text, go back to John chapter 5. Jesus is dealing with those two aspects. Physical death, spiritual death, physical resurrection, and spiritual resurrection. One of them is present, the other is future. He takes them in reverse. In verses 25 through 27 now of our text, and I gave you the background about death, where it came from, and we know it's got to be experienced. We know we got an immaterial pot. We cannot have that fellowship with God. How does that get restored? He deals with the spiritual first. How do we know that? If you look at verse 25, it says, Truly, truly, there it is again, amen, amen, amen. I say to you, now there's a difference between this and verse 28. Watch. In verse 25, he says, the hour is coming. What's the next three words? Come on. Now is. Present. When you come down to verse 28, what's it going to say? Look at it. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming. He doesn't say, and now is. That's still future, which everyone's going to be called out of the graves. But right now, in the present, this is going on. What is going on? Those that are spiritually dead are being called the spiritual life. Because he says right now is when the dead, which dead? Spiritually dead. How are they spiritually dead? No life with God. How is a personally spiritually dead? Separated from God. No understanding of spiritual things. No fellowship of God. You ask yourself as you're sitting in the pew, where am, where am I? Do I fellowship with God? Do I know him? Do I understand who he is? Well, I'd like to think I do. You don't, if that's what you say. You see, that immaterial part is no response to God. What does that mean? You're spiritually dead. Many don't even know it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, You who are spiritually dead have God made alive. All men are spiritually dead since the fall of Adam, and need to be brought to life spiritually. They haven't experienced yet in the future their death, but spiritually there's no life. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. According to Ephesians chapter 2, they walk according to this world. Is that the way you're living your life? That all that has any meaning to you is what's here? That's spiritual death. There's nothing beyond it. You don't see anything beyond it. Well, see, you might not realize it, but that's spiritual death. 
They lived in the lust of the flesh. What is that? To satisfy this being. That's the way people are living all around us. Just for the physical. What does that mean? If that's all they have, they are spiritually dead. And all men fit into that category. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says that men are dead in their trespasses and sins. What has to happen? A transformation. A new birth being born from above. And in verse 25 it says, Now is that when the dead, that is spiritually dead, shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear what will happen, they shall live. We're talking about hearing the message of God with the ears of our hearts. It's possible to hear physically. It's possible right now for you to be listening and you hear physically, but nothing's penetrating. It is like, maybe there's a poor illustration just came to my mind. Have you ever had this situation happen in life that what happens is you hear some bang or you hear some noise and then everybody says, what was that? I don't know, I heard it, but I'm not sure what it was. Sound like a bomb. Sound like a shot. Sound like a car accident, but I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I can't comprehend it. I know that there was something there. Well, it's very possible for you to hit, be sitting here this morning and say, I know there's something, but I, it's not clicking. Why? Spiritual death. But those who hear, hear what? The message that's found in verse 24. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for sin. You see, through sin came death. And God left his glory above. And Jesus Christ came to earth. Why? To take on flesh. To pay the penalty of sin, which is what? Death. That's the cross of Calvary. He paid his debt. Not his debt. He paid our debt, excuse me in his body on the tree, so that we could have spiritual life, so that we could trust in that debt that satisfied the payment for sin. The debt was paid. If I can illustrate it this way, the mortgage was done. The obligation was paid. It's over. And now what has to happen? Belief. And if you believe, after you believe, it's a future tense, yes, after you believe, what happens? You are born again. You're born from above. That's John chapter 3 and everything he's been teaching. You are a new creation spiritually. You have a resurrected life, Romans chapter 6, because you have heard with your heart and responded to the message. That's what verse 24 and verse 25 say. So how does spiritual death take place? It takes place because we're all sinners. And when that happens, there's a separation from God. How can it be restored? How does a person get resurrected from that one? And by the way, not everybody does. Some people stay spiritually dead. They won't believe. They don't come to a saving knowledge of Christ. There are going to be many people, you might not like hearing this, many people in hell don't listen to what religion is teaching. The message is to tell you that there's hope, a spiritual restoration. Well, you say, Pastor Dan, if the person's dead, how is it possible that they can come to life? They can't do it on their own, can they? Absolutely not. That's verses 26 and 27. How? For He explains how the dead come alive. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son to also, watch this, have life in himself, 
He gave him authority to execute judgment. Why? Because he is the Son of Man. And he's already explained in the context what that is. He's co-equal with God. It's all found in the Son. You say, how does that transaction take place? Romans chapter 1, verse 16, listen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Listen carefully. It is the, help me, power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. God uses the gospel of Jesus Christ to penetrate that first death, the spiritual death, to get into the heart, to open a person to the understanding, you know what, I have no relationship with God, but Jesus Christ paid the price. And if I trust in him, I can have spiritual life. That's the message that has to penetrate the heart. That's the context of 24 and 25. Jesus has life in himself. He has the authority to give life. You say, but a dead man can't do that. That's the point. Listen carefully. Because all men are spiritually dead, no one can be saved by good works. I'm not telling you not to be good to your neighbor. You should be. I'm not telling you to not read your Bible. But you can't do any works to restore because you're dead. You say, well, then how can I get life? God's got to give it to you. You say, I don't understand. Listen to me, all of you. That's the context of John. That's what he's talking out of. Listen carefully. The impotent man. I have nobody that can help me. Right. Why aren't you well? I can't do it myself. Right. Stand up, take your bed, and walk. How can that happen? I can't do it. Exactly. I who give life, command it, and I give you life. And when he believed and obeyed, he got physically well. That's the whole context. The spiritual aspect is no different. You are spiritually dead. Well, how can I get life? You can't do it. I'm dead. Right. Can I get life? Yes. How? Only Jesus Christ, who has the life in himself, who has the authority, can give it to you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The message of God for spiritual resurrection is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And before I go any further this morning, if you're sitting here in this pew, spiritually dead, and you don't even realize it, the only way you're going to get life is not by trying to do it yourself. You will never accomplish it. A dead man cannot help himself. Only Jesus Christ, and he did it. And if he's penetrating your heart, today is the day of salvation. Yes, Father's Day. You have no guarantee that your physical life will not be taken moments from now. A few years ago, Right down the street from us at Marsh Corner Church, people attended a service, and after the service, drove down Salem Street, and by the time they hit the intersection, they were dead. You have no guarantee you're going to get up out of that pew and make it to your car. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time for spiritual birth. And you can't do it yourself. Only Jesus can do it, and only his... Work, death, burial, resurrection 
can satisfy the righteousness of God and restore that fellowship. What about the future as we wrap it up? As I said, not everyone experiences that because people don't believe, but the physical resurrection, verse 28 and 29, I'll do it quick. All people will experience this. Notice it. Now he talks about the tombs. Now he doesn't mention now is. He says in verse 28, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all, and I don't want you to mistake the physical aspect, because he says, all who are in the tombs, that's physically dead, shall hear his voice. Come on, Pastor Dan. Some people have been eaten by fish. Right. Some people have died by fire. Correct. Some people have had their parts, you know, dispersed. Yes. What difference is that from somebody that returns to dust and all there is is dust particles? There's none. You think that's too difficult for God who created it all to call all of that together again? He knows where everybody is. He knows where you are right now. He knows what you're thinking right now. And every single person, when you drive by a graveyard the next time, remember this. Everyone there and everyone in this room will one day be called forth from the grave. Everyone. And notice the distinction. He says some to life and some to death. You say, where does it say that? Verse 29. Ah, but Pastor Dan, it says those who have done good deeds. See, you missed it, Pastor Dan. It says in the Bible, he that does good, he's going to do it. And he that does evil, see, so it's based upon good works and bad works. No. You say, well, what do you mean, no? You're, putting, you're adding to the Bible. Not at all. What's the context? Look at verse 24. You think he just contradicted himself? He says, believe on him who sent me and you'll have eternal life. And you won't come into judgment. That is the work of God. You say, that's your interpretation, Pastor Dan. Really? Turn with me to John chapter 6. Watch. The only good work, per se that can be done is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And even that, it's really not technically a work. But that's the context. The doing good is explained to you in John chapter 6, though we haven't gotten that far in the study. Look at verse 29 to get right to the point. Well, I've got to read 28. They said to him, What shall we do that we might do the works of God? Verse 29. This, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. What is it? Same thing as chapter 5, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You see, a dead man can't help himself. Jesus Christ can. Spiritual life can only come to those who are already spiritually dead, which is all men, because all men have sinned, but to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Physical death is coming to all, and all will be called forth. All will face judgment before God. You can squirm in your seat. You can run away from this message this morning and get involved in the activity and say, glad I don't have to think about that anymore. But death is coming. And so is judgment. And you'll notice very clearly, if you get nothing else, there is a resurrection of judgment. That is, that's not a resurrection of life. Can you see that? Some are called to life. Some are called to judgment. That is why hell is real. You might not think death is real, but you'll experience it. 
You might not think that hell is real, but you will experience it if you don't get spiritual life. Yes, you can't avoid physical death. And you, can't, you cannot avoid also being resurrected for judgment one way or the other. None of us can avoid spiritual death. But some will not experience physical, uh, excuse me, spiritual resurrection. Who is that? Only those who will not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heart's desire, God's desire, is, as I said earlier, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. The context of verses 24 to 29 clearly states again, if you hear my word, not just with the ears, but with the effectiveness of understanding in your heart, and believe on him who sent me, present tense, you have eternal life. You can have eternal life. It is through the power of the gospel that God has chosen to make foolish men understand spiritual life. And as the gospel goes forth, don't let the day go by. If you haven't come to Christ, come to Christ. You don't have to march down here. You don't have to wait till you get to your car. The night that I got saved, I got saved in the room and nobody knew it but me. I heard the gospel and I got saved. Then I went home and I wasn't sure of my naiveness, so I get down on my knees at home and then I asked Christ to be my Savior, but the transaction already took place. It already happened in the room when I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, right there in the pew. Trust in Christ so you don't experience the spiritual death and stay in that state so you end up in hell. There's two resurrections and there's two deaths. You'll experience both deaths. You're already in one. The other will come in time. But the desire is that you experience both resurrections, life unto God as well as life away from the grave. Let's close in prayer. Our Father in God, I thank you that you gave us the best illustration with the impotent man, one who had no means of helping himself, and Jesus Christ simply on the declaration of his word enabled that man to be healed. Father, just on the declaration of your word, you tell us that he who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to do his work. Father, help not man's stubbornness, nor Satan's deception to keep men from coming to the light of the glorious gospel of Christ to get victory. Might the gospel go forth in power and you help right in this audience, those who do not know Christ, to see that there was a time in which there was great fellowship with God, but we broke it through sin. And that all men are sinners and come short of the glory of God, but Father, through your love, you sent Jesus Christ, who has now paid the penalty for sin, and help them to trust in him, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might be saved right there on the pew. And Father, though we do all face physical death, we thank you that even that does not have power, for the day will come in which, especially for the believer, we will say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll give us victory even over the physical death. And to those who have trusted in Christ, we will have life with God forever. And I pray, Father, you'd help us as Christians to live, to walk in newness of life, 
to not be caught up into the satisfaction of the flesh, the lust of the world and of the eyes and of the flesh. So many are walking in darkness, even as believers, in the sense of not having that fellowship. Oh, Father, help us to confess that and to get back and walk with you the way we should. And for those, Father, who are in the midst who have not yet trusted, help them to see that if they don't trust in Christ, they not only face a physical resurrection, but a resurrection unto judgment and death if they do not believe in Christ now. And, Father, bring them to the place of salvation. For we ask this in Christ's name.